What's up, everybody, and welcome back to episode 159 of the Designated Players Podcast. Diving back into history again, this time to dive into Jaime Moreno's infamous time as a New York, New Jersey Metro star, followed by a story that really needs no introduction, the massive. I'm Andrew, I'm joined by my good buddy Connor, and this is MLS History Retold. How you doing, buddy? I really should start adding like MLS History Retold 6, 9, whatever we're on, because we're, we're pretty deep into this. Yeah, there's no point in counting at this point, it's too late. We're, we're so far into this, we've done, we've done a good bit of them. If you haven't listened, go listen to them already, because there are a lot of really cool stories in there. Which one has been your favorite so far? Got to say the water fountain shoot. It's it's a it's an easy pick, but I do genuinely think it's been like the most interesting story so far. Yeah, water fountain shoot was cool. Um, I like Clint Mathis's five goal game. That one obviously a little bit closer to home, of course. But yeah, I can't imagine why you like that one. <laughs> Uh, but we are we are continuing on the theme of Metro Stars today, uh, as well as keeping with the crew. So my ge- I can guess your scarf. I'm sure you can guess mine, but I'll let you go ahead and show it off. Okay. Well, in the theme of the episode, for once, the chances in early MLS where I can actually bring out a scarf that matches the uh, the team I'm discussing, I'll take it. So as I'm discussing the Columbus crew, I've brought out my very ugly. MLS Cup 2020 Columbus Crew scarf. Hold on. There's the crew logo. The old yeah, I like that. It's not the old school one, but it's uh it's the the middle one. MLS the 2.0, I guess. 2.5. Columbus Crew 2.5. <laughs> yeah. Um I haven't shown the uh the newest one that's MLS history related, have I? You haven't. You hyped it up, so I did. I'm gonna gonna go get it to show you. It's not the one I'm wearing, but just so that I can bring it up. Just so we can flex. I've got, thanks to a great purchase on MLSsoccer.com, the OG Colorado Rapids logo in a scarf. Is that what the logo used to be? This is what the original Colorado Rapids logo was. So I now have. And it's a really nice, like, fabric. It's really durable. It's great. I love it so very much. I have to say, I like it a little bit more than the current one. It it looks, yeah, it, it has, like I said, I like the burgundy color of the current Rapids look. But this is pretty nostalgic. So, it is, it is the newest member of the Scarf Wall. But not the one I'm rocking today. As I mentioned, we're talking about the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. That's the next one I need to get, by the way, a Metro Stars scarf. Um, But since I don't have that, and we are just about a week since New York was officially declared red once again, and we're only a couple days past the seven-year anniversary of the red wedding. Losing my mind here. I'm so excited. I can tell. I've got the New York is red free scarf I got at the very last derby that I went to. Uh, it's not a super, like, like it, it was a free scarf, so it is made of the material you would expect a free scarf to be made out of, um, but being that we've beaten New York City once again, and we're just a couple days past the 7 nothing anniversary, I figured we'd break it out and remind the world that New York is indeed 
red. Do you want to uh, give a call to a one Jaime Moreno and let him know? Do I need to? Because I don't. I don't think he'd care very much. I think he'd probably he'd probably Maybe. find a way. Let me let me ask you. What do you know about this going into it? Zero. I know the only thing I know about Jaime Moreno is that he played for DC during the DC era. It has a very very important connection that DC link does. What well, a time! What a time this. Uh, so I was only five when this took place, so I never experienced it firsthand. However, the stories about this man in a Metro uniform are something else. A big shout out to our friends at MetroFanatic.com who have done a ton of really good background on, on him. But overall, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the background of Jaime Moreno. Bolivian striker, who was the first Bolivian to play in the Premier League when he was signed with Middlesbrough. In 1994, he played 20 games and scored one goal before MLS went ahead and signed him to a contract before the 1996 season. He was a part of the allocation draft and given to DC United. The second he stepped foot in this league, he was a killer and his trophy cabinet proves leading up to 2002, which is when this story takes place, 2002, 2003. He had one golden boot, one MVP. Three MLS Cups, two Supporter Shields, two Open Cups, and a CONCACAF Champions Cup. He would go on to add one more MLS Cup, two more Supporter Shields, and another Open Cup before his time in D.C. was over. He scored 152 times for D.C. United, 84 of them through the 20, uh, 2002 season. But then drama happens. In 2002, one Ray Hudson was magisterially appointed as the manager of D.C. United. These two, it's safe to say, did not pass the vibe check. After playing a few games for Ray Hudson, he basically begged for his way out of D.C. And the single baldest manager in MLS, Michael Bradley's dad, Bobby B., sent one of the biggest trade deals in MLS history to get him. Eddie Pope, Richie Williams, and Jaime Moreno were sent to the Red Bulls or Metro at the time, while Mike Petke, a 2003 first-round draft pick and what was called an allocation at the time, which was basically a roster spot that was valued at a certain dollar amount, whether it be 150 k 75 k whatever, that usually was used to sign a player from overseas. Kind of like allocation money now, but just a, a roster spot instead. That all went back to D.C. United. A little bit of digging found that the first round draft pick turned into David Stokes, a defender from UNC who played 24 times and retired five years late. I cannot find out who the allocation was spent on, but it could have been based off of quick research. Galen Ivanov, Alessio Quintanilla, Henry Zambrano, or Milton Wrights. All of these names I don't necessarily remember, which means we probably got the better end of the deal, right? a guy who scored over 150 times, plus one of the best center backs in the league, plus Richie Williams. And we lost Mike Petke, but that's okay because we we probably balanced it out, right? Come on. What team are we talking about? You know it couldn't be that easy. Metro fans, as you would expect, were excited but cautious to welcome somebody who tormented their club for years into their ranks. He scored 16 times 
in six years against the Metro until the trade. So they were right to do that. And this is where Metro gets Metro. Jaime Moreno showed up to preseason that year. The most unfit you could ever imagine. Like the, like the level of unfit you would expect at a Sunday. He played three total times before pulling his hamstring, missing seven games, and then finally working his way back into his side. He never got more than 60 minutes in a game. In the span of nine games, he scores twice, including once to beat DC United. But then he re-aggravates his injury and is shut down for the rest of the year to rehab. As the offseason comes and goes, the players are ready, and they're getting ready to show up, take another run at the cup, really go after it as a group. Day one, morning huddle, welcome to the club. Players look around, and somebody's missing. You guessed it. Jaime Moreno chose not to show up to day one of preseason. The dude sat around all offseason, did zero rehab, got even more unfit, and then refused to show up to preseason camp. This whole time, he's crying back to DC United to find a way to get him back. He refused to take a pay cut. Metro had to take him off the books. They were, they were losing massive money in a very, very hard salary cap league. So they put another trade in. In 2004, a first and third round draft pick was sent to the Red Bulls for Jaime Moreno. Now, of course, I know you're wondering, well, what did they get out of these draft picks? Well, they found a way to metro up these draft picks even worse than this trade. So let's start with that third round, uh, the first round pick. They traded the first round pick that they had gotten in this trade for Joselito Vaca in 2004 to FC Dallas. So FC Dallas had this pick. They got Joselito Vaca in return. Um, And then Metro like, you know what? We actually want that pick back. So they found a way to trade for the pick they already had, get it back, and they sent Cornell Glenn the other way. So basically, they just flip-flop Vaca for Glenn. Vaca played 22 times for Red Bull scoring once and being released at the end of the year. Cornell Glenn made zero appearances for Dallas before going to Columbus. So, speechless at the fact that this was the most unnecessary series of trades I've ever seen in my life. But anyways, the pick ended up being Tim Ward, who played 13 total times for Metro before going to Columbus. So basically, the only team that benefited from this entire switching of picks, players, money was the Columbus crew because they've got two players out of it who played a good amount of time for them and the Metro and FC Dallas got nothing. The third round pick turned into Chris Corcoran, who amassed a total of zero minutes for the Metro and is currently playing on a team in Finland's second division to this day. So all in all, massive waste of time. Jaime Moreno and DC United screwed over the Metro and you'd think that's where it ends, right? And to that, I laugh at you, Connor Wright. I laugh in your face when you think that's the end of this story. As soon as he stepped back in the nation's capital, I mean like the microsecond he crossed state lines, all of his problems magically disappeared. He would go on to play basically every single minute for the rest of his seven-year career 
for DC United after not being able to get more than 60 minutes a game at Metro. He played until 2010, scoring seven goals and seven assists against the Metro in this time. Because of this inability to actually give a damn about playing for the New York, New Jersey Metro, people believe that this was actually just a massive behind-the-scenes plot to put the Metro behind the eight. Our friends at Metro Fanatic listed him as the worst South American to ever play for the New York Metro, gave him an honorable mention as the 2000 to 2009 bum of the decade, and based off of their writing about him, he can best be described by one poetic phrase. Yes, he is still a fat bastard. Was this a way for DC United to get one over on their I-95 rivals? Maybe. Did Jaime Moreno do the best to make a fool out of the entire organization? Arguable. But what is clear to this day is that this has to be listed in one of the top five That's So Metro moments of all times. It's what makes our club so dang special. And that's why I love it. I love that they had a whole ranking on just bum of the decade. Oh, that list is fantastic. I'll send you that in a, in a minute. I Who mean, won? Some, do you, do you remember? Um, it was Alexi Lalas because he was the GM of that time. And, and or he took over in 07 and led them to the 09, which is the worst, like third worst season in league history or something like that. Yeah. Alexi so Lalas is bum of the decade. He was your, dare I say, Isaiah Thomas, to if you remember his era with the Knicks. Yes, he tore up phenomenal the player, and then <laughs> took over in like a a back office role and absolutely just destroyed teams. <laughs> yep, he tore up the foundation built by Bob Bradley, putting the club into a pit of despair. It is still not fully recovered. This was posted in two thousand and nine. Uh, still has not fully recovered from. Oh, and when the going gets tough, he lied through his teeth and quit. Bum. On there were Steve Shack. Mamadou Diallo, great. Met the entire Metro front office. Jaime Moreno's in there. Sergio, oh, Galvin Ray's in there. Okay. Mark the Grand Prix. Interesting. Claudio Reyna, nice. Um, Juan Carlos Osorio, cool. Jeff Agus, nice. Lots of good names on there. That's a, good, that's a big list. Oh, yeah. Th- those are all honorable mentions. Alexi Lawless was head above heels for that one. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to deep dive into that one at some point. I'd like to hear about that. His tenure in charge. I Just... feel like we could do a whole, our, our entire book, we could put four chapters into really poorly run organizations. Well, she I want to say at the top of it. I mean, yeah, there's a number you could tack on every team that folded, but I really want to hear about, uh, Lalas's time in charge of Red Bull. It sounds like a magical time. And it looks like I, a 2009 thing, so we can add it on the list. We should add it on the list. I'd like to hear you rant about it because I think it would be hilarious, honestly. I'd have to reach out to our friends at Metro Fanatic and get their insight on it. Yes. Maybe we can... Uh, it'd be even more uh, great if we got them to collaborate on it. That'd be cool. Ooh, that would be cool. You know what it would be? massive massive yes your your transitions are fantastic i know mls history i take my transitions to the next level (laughs) all right let's talk about the massive for the columbus crew my source for this one an article by steve sirk called the origin of massive 
on the Columbus Crew website. I highly recommend checking it out. According to Webster's Dictionary, the term massive has many forms. Forming or consisting of a large mass. Large, solid, or heavy in structure. Or it could mean having mass. But that's not quite how the Columbus crew use the word. Let's talk about what it actually means for the crew. The term massive began as a self-deprecating joke for crew fans, uh, specifically started by crew supporter Zach Bernardo. It began, uh, it began following the hiring of Kevin Keegan as manager of Manchester City. And for all the City fans listening, let me give you a brief history of your club since you were obviously not following back then. City at the time of Keegan's hiring was just getting relegated to the first division, which is the equivalent to today's championship. However, under Keegan, they were able to win the first division and bounce right back up to the Prem. After this, the club began allegedly throwing around the term massive club, despite really having no success to date and massively being in the shadow of their next door neighbors, Manchester United. The same mentality was then brought to Columbus. Around the same time, Columbus were by far the smallest market in MLS, and Columbus as a city was widely disregarded by many, as it was considered the third city of Ohio behind Cincinnati and Cleveland. One reporter covering Newcastle's trip to the U.S. wrote about their departure from D.C. to Columbus, saying, an altogether less fashionable part of the United States. <laughs> Steve says it best. Massive was born of a disrespected team playing a disrespected sport in a disrespected city. From the period of 2003 to 2007, with the one-off exception of the 2004 season, the crew struggled mightily, not making the playoffs or winning any trophies during those other seasons. What better time for Columbus fans to make like City fans and act like the club is the most massive on earth? On soccer message boards, crew fans would insert Columbus into any big European transfer rumors, say David Beckham moving to Real Madrid. The only thing massive about him is being a massive fraud for not moving to the mighty Columbus during the 2003 summer transfer window. Ultimately, whichever superstar was in the crosshairs would decide that he was not ready for the pressure of playing for such a massive club and would chicken out and sign with Manchester United or Real Madrid or some other lesser unmassive club. You've heard of Arsenal Fan TV or AFTV? How about Crew TV? the global television network designed to feed the insatiable worldwide demand for all things Columbus crew. Crew TV walked so that AFTV could run. All of these centered around how massive the Columbus crew were and how massive a desire uh, people all around the world were in the crew and getting crew information, hearing everything about the crew. So what happened to the term when the crew actually started to be really good in 2008? At that point, rather than it being a, uh, rather than it being a joke, the term became a meaning of pride. Massive was used to describe the players they had during this time period, such as Guillermo Barroschelotto uh, and Chad Marshall. Massive was used to describe the relationship between fans and players, which was so good that when team captain Frankie Hiduk was suspended for one game, 
He spent it chugging beers with fans pregame. The crew had turned a corner and were no longer the bottom dwellers they were for the previous three seasons. By all meanings of the word, at this time in MLS history, the crew and Columbus were truly massive. The crew would go on to win the Shield Cup double in 2008 following a 3-1 win over New York Red Bulls in the MLS Cup final. Had to throw that one in there for you. The term had gotten so massive, if you would, that the crew's broadcaster, Dwight Burgess, even started to work it into telecasts, uh, describing things such as their uniforms as the massive banana kit. What was the title of the sports cover story in the Columbus Dispatch following the crew's MLS Cup victory? Only one word. Massive. Michael Arce of the of the Columbus Dispatch is credited with playing a massive role in making the term mainstream, as he would frequently use the term in his articles, recognizing how special the term was becoming for the crew. Even the title of Steve's book on the 2008 crew season was called A Massive Season. And as I'm sure my co-host knows this well, um, the name of the crew's subreddit? None other than The Massive. The club itself even really started to embrace it by writing be massive in the locker room following the team's renovation of the locker room ahead of the 2011 season. There was even a scarf designed for the July 26, 2011 matchup between Columbus and Newcastle, which has one side saying massive magpies, which might I add is a phenomenal scarf. If I can get my hands on that, that'd be amazing. Additionally, the crew in September 2011 had created a marketing campaign all around its slogan of dare to be massive. So so while massive started as a self-deprecating joke about the crew during some rough times of the franchise, it ended up being so much more for the crew, crew supporters, and Columbus as a city. It was pride for a team just starting to hit its stride. It was connectivity between players and fans. It was a way to remember all those important to the club. It was a brand for the club. And most importantly, it was Columbus. That's I, I love that story. I remember when they first when they first put it into the suggestion. First off, you know how hard it was to find the Columbus crew Reddit? Oh, because you kept looking for Columbus Because I kept looking crew. for crew. <laughs> and it never popped up. So I literally had to Google Columbus crew Reddit. And there was like the massive one. What? What is that? <laughs> so again, I, I for years I didn't know what it was. So until somebody put it in, it's like if you don't have the massive in there, you're wasting your time. So I started doing. I found that article you just mentioned. I'm like, oh my god, this is phenomenal. They were the first MLS s housers, for lack of a better term. They were the first ones to go out and be like, bro, you're going to Man United. What a bum! <laughs> like they they do what we do on a daily basis but they did it on a such a bigger scale than what we yeah. do and they did it before it was cool too like this <laughs> is something we do now because everybody on twitter does it they did it before like anybody did it was like monumental for and again that's why you find like that's why the you could probably argue that is a massive has a massive direct line to save the crew movement. because without that whole thing of people coming together be like yeah our club isn't great but we love it all the same. I went to all these games where we may have been bottom of the table, but we won our last game and it was it was massive. And that's what we are. We're massive. Or the pitch invasion that we've talked about. Or the last second free kick goal. 
these little things all tie together and create community. And that's what drove, obviously, the safe crew movement, which is there, but that's also what drives the sport continuing to move on. That's why people need to get into it by just being, picking a team and getting to be a part of it. So, uh, very, very cool story. Loved, loved hearing your rendition of it. I thought it was very, very good. And we hope you enjoyed it too, because we've got tons more of these. I don't even think we've hit 50 yet. So we've got over uh, we 400. We haven't even made a dent in them yet. No, we've got over 400 stories adding every week with this 2023 season and going back and having to retell a couple of other stories. So I think the list has probably gotten bigger since we actually started doing this. Um, if you're enjoying it, please leave a like, subscribe, comment, do all that good stuff, share with your friends. If you know somebody who's a crew fan, share it with them. We want to hear what we missed because here's the thing. We can't cover everything in a 10-minute segment. But we can continue to talk about things like this online, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, wherever you are, we can talk about it. And that's what this is about. Let's keep spreading this idea and spreading these, these stories. Make sure you're following us anywhere you get your podcast. You know when our next episode goes live, which will be the Zardmeister. That's a good one. And then the Guevara Towel incident. Oh, what a what a time, what a event that was. That Guevara Towel incident is something else. Looking um, forward to hearing it. That, oh man, I love that one. That is that is peak. That is that incident in and of itself probably set the sport back ten years if anybody <laughs> saw it. And I will leave it at that. You can imagine. But um, yeah, make sure you go follow us on on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Search the Designated Players Podcast, and we will pop up. Uh, and make sure you come interact with us. We have a great, great time chatting with you guys and um, sharing sharing stories, right? There are some people who are around remember these days um, better than maybe we can. So, um, yeah, please go ahead and, and get involved. Start interacting with us. And we will catch you next time on the next episode of the Designated Players Podcast. See ya.